0: Welcome to Advancing Our Church. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. So grateful that you could spend this time with us today. I really appreciate all of your suggestions and your ideas and, of course, all of your prayers, all the ways that you show your support for our show. Thanks also for liking and sharing our show on social media. And by the way, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter if you'd like to follow us for updates. But just a special thanks for all the comments and suggestions I really appreciate it when a listener reaches out and suggests a guest for our show. And that's how we met our new friend David Savage and how we ended up on today's episode. David is an incredible entrepreneur who is now serving the work of the Holy Father. What an honor. And I really enjoyed getting to know him during our conversation today. But first, I also want to thank our sponsor, Changing Our World, for being on this podcasting journey with us. Changing Our World is a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been serving the Catholic Church for more than 20 years. And if you're thinking about a capital campaign or a major gift effort, or maybe you just need a little fundraising advice, I hope you'll visit them at changingourworld.com, where you can learn more about their complete suite of services. You can find a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. So we begin Lent next week. Can you believe that? You might have already realized it, and you might be thinking, how do I prepare myself for this season? What needs to happen within me so that I can practice with more intention than I have in the past? We know that there are always plenty of ideas for activities and practices during Lent. That's never a problem. The challenge is that we don't want to do something simply for the sake of doing it. We want to be intentional about our Lenten devotions. When you make a list of your works of mercy so that you can place a check mark next to each one of them, that's not going to accomplish anything or prepare your heart for God. Just like anything, it's good to have a plan for Lent. How do I want to be during Lent this year? Maybe more quiet and thoughtful. Maybe more open to God's desires. Maybe I'll be better able to just sit with people who need me or more attentive to the daily scriptures. Maybe I need to be more compassionate towards others or courageous about using the gifts that God has given to me. I want you to think about doing three things this year for Lent. First, Ask God every day, What do I need to do to draw closer to you? What does my soul need? Just ask Him and listen quietly because we're very good at fooling ourselves about how we're doing. It might take several days of praying and listening before your heart is open and ready to hear that answer. But just sit and listen. Second, ask God every day, What am I doing right? What about my life makes you happy, God? God loves you, and He wants to celebrate what you're doing right. He's not a God that is here to scold us all the time. I'm sure that many of the aspects of your life make Him happy and bring Him glory. Listen to Him. Ask Him what you're doing right. And lastly, tell God and yourself every day, I want to be open to the graces of this Lenten season. Maybe you're not open to it right now, or you're not as open as you'd like to be. So what else is new? It's always possible to be just a little bit more open, to let stuff go, listen a little bit better, and do God's work more quickly and passionately to bring the kingdom of God to those that He has placed in our lives. I hope that you have the kind of Lenten season this year that's transformative for your Lenten journey. And I'll have a few more reflections like this as we make our Lenten journey together. But for now, let's get to work. Today I speak with David Savage, the Executive Director for the Papal Foundation, the only charitable organization in the United States whose mission it is to fulfill the requests of the Holy Father for the needs of the Church. David has 25 years of executive experience in direct-to-consumer marketing and has been a co-founder and investor in multiple agencies and businesses. Most recently, David matched his consumer direct marketing experience with the urgent need to help parents address the challenge of managing their children's screen time. Co-founding an organization called Content Watch, the company purchased and relaunched NetNanny, an app that helps parents to monitor their children's activities online. In addition to his professional roles, David has been a volunteer leader in the Catholic Church, serving on the board of directors for two leading national apostolates, the Catholic Leadership Institute and Theology of the Body Institute. David was installed as a member of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulcher by Cardinal Dolan in 2010, and is a longtime supporter of Focus, the Sisters of Life, Generation Life, St. Norbert Catholic Church and School in Paoli, Pennsylvania. David earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Foreign Affairs from the University of Virginia. He resides in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania with his wife, Kim, and their four sons. And now, without further ado, here is David Savage. Well, David, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for all of your service to the church, uh, especially in your role through the Papal Foundation. I'm excited to have you here on the show to talk a little bit about your your great work. Maybe for our listeners, we could start with, uh, how did the Papal Foundation get started? Sure. The Papal Foundation was founded in 1988.
1: And Mm -hmm. while I wasn't here at the time, the story that's been uh, related to me, the history is is that some businessmen in Philadelphia who were friends with Archbishop Kroll, the Archbishop of Philadelphia at the time, who was great friends with Pope John Paul, now St. John Paul II uh, at the time wanted to help the Pope. Pope John Paul II didn't have his own sort of way. I mean, there's vast responsibilities, right, for the Holy Father at the Vatican. And while there may be many resources, they're well committed. And so the idea was sort of hatched that if there could be a fund that the whole, where the Holy Father personally had a way to prioritize things that were close to his heart, that fund would exist for the Holy Father to make those priorities known and for those, those priorities to help the, the really the poorest and the most vulnerable around the world.
0: Wonderful. So the fact that it originated in Philadelphia, they had nothing. The Pope's not a an Eagles fan by any chance.
1: <laughs> well, we hope we hope every Holy Father is an Eagles fan, <laughs> but no. It was it just. I think it was the connection between Archbishop Kroll and then some really visionary business leaders here in Philadelphia. Now, it's, of course, it's spread across the country. We have a national base of foundation stewards and members and donors. But yes, it's, we're proud that it originated here in Philadelphia. And that we're uh, that we're based here just a little south of Philadelphia in Chester, Pennsylvania.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a graduate of West Chester University, not far from from where you're based. Yeah, it's 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 amazing the span of this mission that started in Philadelphia and yet has really impacted missions all over the world can you tell us a little bit about just the the mission has the focus changed at all or does it change from it's now been under the auspices of a couple of different holy fathers mm-hmm. uh, has the mission been consistent and or or how has that gone
1: no it re- it really has you know to describe the foundation's impact really over the last 34 years more than 200 million dollars in grants have been given away really almost primarily in in developing countries, projects in developing countries. So we we really mean Africa, South America, Asia, Eastern Europe, and really primarily through our general grants to build up the infrastructure in the church. And when I say that, I mean, we help build schools, hospitals, churches, monasteries, convents. Really, uh, I like to say we help create and foster The places where Christ's love can flourish, right? Because oftentimes if we don't have brick and mortar in some of these places, it's hard for the, the Catholic Christian community to flourish. So that's if I was to paint a broad stroke, that's what most of the monies have gone towards. But of course, there's other uses for those monies as well in terms of evangelization and educational programs. We have a part of the foundation called the Mission Fund, which goes primarily to help the missionaries of charity, uh, St. Mother Teresa's uh, order, and also to provide humanitarian aid, such as foods, medicines, helping in crisis situation. We've distributed a good deal of funds to help migrants and refugees, given the situation in Ukraine and on the border
0: with Poland. So, a wide variety of things. Tremendous. Wow. So, I, I know that one of the focuses of the foundation is really helping developing countries, service to the poor. Is that really? been tightened as your focus, or it sounds like you still support a broad range of charities around the world.
1: Yeah, it's really projects and, and this might be a good way to to help you understand the projects that we do fund, yeah. how the process works. Cause I sure. think for a lot of folks it's they're not aware of it. But the way it works is if you are an order or a parish or a Catholic apostolate, no matter what country, as long as it's a development country. So let's say Nicaragua or Zambia, you write to your your local bishop and your nuncio. With a request, and it could be to repair a roof, it could be to begin construction of a, of a parish center or a hospital, that kind of thing. And you write to the nuncio, and the nuncio, the Pope's ambassador in each country, in each of the developing countries, can send to the Vatican and on an annual basis up to three requests. And so you can imagine the Vatican receives, you know, three requests from from their ambassadors in each of the developing countries. And so they really end up with close to 250 grant requests annually. Wow. Um, and so the nuncios are the first sort of gatekeeper for these requests, right? They have to choose from a selection that, that they're given throughout the year. Once the, uh, the Vatican has it, the secretary of state's office working with the Holy Father then prioritizes those requests. And so, for instance, last year, the foundation here in Chester received 150 requests. And because the Vatican wants to have sort of a broad impact, they really never really ask, it's very uh, out of the ordinary to ask for more than $100,000 per grant. So there may be a project that needs $800,000, but the Vatican, we're not the only source for help. But the Vatican never really asked the foundation for more than $100,000 for each project. Some projects might only be $30,000. For instance, a couple of years ago, the foundation granted about $30,000 to build 30 homes in in Thailand. So you can imagine in in some countries other than the United States, um, $30,000 can go a long way. So that's how the process works. And so as a result, last year we had 121 different projects that were funded in some way to the tune of $9.4 million. And it really allows the impact to be broad and throughout the world.
0: And when you're reviewing different projects, and I, I hear what you're saying, uh, you, you can't be the sole funder for, for many projects. Do you look to see, well, does this project have other supporters who, if we offer $100,000 and it needs 300, then, then they're, they're going to find the other $200,000 through other sources? Is that part of your decision-making? It is. And that's a, a
1: great way for me to finish what, what, I, what I didn't finish, which is then once the grant request gets here to Chester, we have a committee of our board of trustees. That committee, the Grants Review Committee, is actually chaired by another Philadelphian who you may know, Dr. Tammy Tanaglia. Mm-hmm. And she works with four other lay people and Bishop Burns of Dallas, who's also a trustee, and they review every one of those 121 grants and then they go through each one. They sort of get a a consensus on which ones are the most important, which ones have the best applications, so to speak. And they then take a vote and recommend a slate of grants to the the full board of trustees who then vote to approve that slate. And so what you said is, is absolutely true. Sometimes the applications, even though the Vatican may have sent it along, there may be something that our committee picks up and says, you know what, Maybe they need to get a little more information. They should return next year with more information. What what they do look kindly on is an application that's like, okay, our full budget might be a half a million dollars. We're coming to the Papal Foundation for this much, but other organizations like Church in Need or you know Pontifical Mission Society, they may also be funding a project. And so that's looked on very kindly is that the apostolate or the entity that's looking for the funds has got a, a well-thought-out plan. That does help in the application process sometimes
0: you must encounter so many amazing organizations and parishes and ministries that are just doing incredible things. Mm-hmm. Does the foundation or the board or, or yourself, the team, do you ever get to go visit some of those places where you've gotten to make an impact or, or mm-hmm. make, yeah, make a donation?
1: Sure. Well, I'm, I'm relatively brand new, right? So I've been on yeah. the job for 18 months, but I've sure. already been uh, to two grant recipient locations, been very blessed Great. to visit two. One in Chalco, Mexico earlier in 2022 and that's the Sisters of Mary have a variety of locations called Girlstown and Boys Town and I visited Girlstown in Chalco and so what this is is approximately 3400 teenage girls who have come out of some of some really desperate situa- family situations in rural Mexico and are in need of education and job skills training and Girls Town is a wonderful place. Having been there, I can tell you it's a wonderful place where fifty sisters minister to these teenage girls. And so there's not only you know classroom education, traditional you know classroom education through high school level, but also you know special training um, in hospitality and computers and fashion, uh, so that they can be set up for success you know post high school graduation. But there's also you know great rep- uh, opportunities for spirituality and learning the faith and recreation. And it's just a, a tremendous complex where the foundation has helped with some computer lab programs, some well well water programs. So we're very proud of our association and our ability to help Girlstown and the Sisters of Mary down in Chalco. And then more recently, just a few months ago, I was down in Quito, Ecuador, where the Center for Working Families uh, has been a grant recipient in previous years. They do an amazing job ministering to about 400 different families within Quito. They also provide um, grade school and high school education, job skills training, and also food security programs to make, to make sure that those families are fed uh, week in and week out. Uh, and certainly during COVID, they actually did a great job feeding not just the families that they're used to serving, but um, many more families throughout Quito. And so that was another amazing uh, apostolate uh, that I got to visit just a few months ago.
0: It's tremendous, David. It, it, uh, it must be so gratifying, I'm sure, for you, and the board, and the donors. But I can only imagine, also that as you said before, the nuncios are presented with so many projects that there, there's, obviously there can't be enough funding mm-hmm. for everybody. There never is. So part of your role also is to raise funds, I'm assuming, for the foundation and also uh, to to fund these projects. Tell us a mm-hmm. bit about that.
1: Sure. So so exactly. So we've sort of hit on you know how the the, the grants work and who's impacted, but. That only happens because of the generosity of an amazing group of people, the donors to the foundation, who we call the stewards of St. Peter. And over the last 34 years, there's been about, uh, about 160, well, currently about 160 families that have made very generous donations, seven-figure donations, to support the work of the foundation. And so that's a unique uh, gift to be able to, to give that much of your wealth away. But it's really provided the security and longevity the, of the foundation's mission. When you can make a gift that large, it, it provides the resources that the foundation needs to help that many projects, as we just discussed, on an annual basis. It's been a relatively small team, staff here, but they're very good at what they do. And I'm so proud to have joined them. A gentleman named Jim Coffey has been for the last 19 years traveling across the country raising funds for the Papal Foundation uh, and has made so many friends and recruited so many uh, foundation members. And now I'm here alongside joining him in that mission to meet really some of the most dynamic Catholic businessmen and women who, through their success in the business world or their success uh, in the church, really just have a heart for what the Holy Father and the church are doing to help the poor. And it's a great demonstration of their faith to share their wealth with the foundation, uh, their financial resources. And we couldn't do it without them, obviously. And they work actually hand-in-hand hand with the cardinals of the U.S. Church and a collection of bishops and archbishops who are on our board. Uh, so it's really the laity and the clergy coming together here in the U.S. It's primarily United States-based, uh, the funding. We have a, a couple of Canadian families who've who've donated as well. And there's really no limit. I think part of what we like to see in terms of the foundation growth is not only more families from North America, but from around the world join the Papal Foundation. But it started out currently is uh, mostly North American.
0: That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So David, how did you find yourself uh, in this role? You said you joined the team just 18 months ago. Did you, mm-hmm. did, didn't you come from a, a development background a little bit?
1: So no, I, so the, uh, the Holy Spirit brought me here for sure. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned Westchester, my career, uh, it's been an interesting path. I would say for the vast part of my career, 20 years was as a partner in two different advertising agencies, oh. one of which based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh, and so I spent the good the better part of two decades traveling the country doing new business development, which is development in its own way, just more sales and also doing client strategy. So uh, at our agency, we would essentially create build creative both for television, radio, digital, put it out into the marketplace uh, and generate orders for our our clients, which was a collection of corporate marketers, entrepreneurial brands, uh, sometimes just individual entrepreneurs selling a wide variety of projects. so products so that's 20 years I did that. And then another five years in internet software, working in parental controls, trying to protect uh, uh, families and young people from some of the dangers on the internet. And when that company was sold about two years ago, I reached out to a a friend of mine who I had served on the board with at Catholic Leadership Institute. So, all the while I was doing all that business, I was volunteering in the church, first at Catholic Leadership Institute, which is a very dynamic apostolate, uh, which is uh, training. uh, clergy, and lay leaders in the principles of leadership to help our church flourish. And then also at the Theology of the Body Institute, which is promotes the teachings of John Paul II. And so my nonprofit experience was on the volunteer side. And as I said, I called a friend from my time at Catholic Leadership Institute, and she knew that the Papal Foundation uh, was looking for a new executive director. And the timing was right, and through a lot of prayer and discernment, I decided that okay, maybe it was now time to move out of the business world and into uh, full-time church work. And so I'm very pleased to be here. It's a, it's a great mission, and it's really easy to get up every morning I'll uh, and come here and uh, work for the for the church. And I think part of it too, my discernment was I had my philanthropy, my personal and my my family's philanthropy had really been based in helping entities here in the United States, and that's a very important thing. But as I've gotten older, I thought, OK, what about my Christian brother and sister, not just the ones in my, you know, in my town or in my country, but ones I'll never meet, of those in Africa and Asia, South America, who who really. And this is an important part of the foundation's mission that I've come to really appreciate in just the last few months, is that there is so much wealth here in the United States, rel- not that there aren't poor in the United States, but relative to the rest of the world, we're a very wealthy nation. And, um, some people often say, well, why aren't you helping their poor people in the United States? Why isn't the foundation helping the poor, you know, say in Appalachia or in, uh, in the South, right? Where there's a lot of poverty. And I think the beauty of the foundation's mission is that it knows that in some places in the world, the government and generous, those with wealth aren't just aren't there to help the poorest of the poor, but the church is. And so that's sort of the, the beauty and wisdom of the, of the foundation's. Mission and process is that the church, the the, the nuncios, the bishops are closest to those who are most in need and can essentially reach out through the foundation's process to the Holy Father and say, We need this help, you know, to help build the church and to serve the poorest. And so that's really made an impact on me uh, is an understanding that it's my role. I'm working in the US, but I'm working to help those who don't, who might not have access to the help in their home countries.
0: That's tremendous. So, David, I'm I'm curious. Are you seeing some reoccurring themes in the grant requests? I know you look at at hundreds of these, and and the nuncios, they you said they look at maybe 250 within their own their own country. Is mm-hmm. there are, are you seeing particular themes? You mentioned food security and mm-hmm. uh, and some other pieces. Is there anything that's really emerging during this particular time in history?
1: Sure, I would say what's consistent is yeah. uh, what I had sort of alluded to before, which is. You know, we're we're used to a certain level of, of community building here in the United States. And we know we might build our new parish centers or build new churches, right, as communities spring up. But that's true. That's true elsewhere, right? Especially in, in Africa, you know, where the church is growing by leaps and bounds, right? They need brick and mortar to have a, a place to worship or a place to minister. Same with, um, you know, hospitals and schools, you know, a place to teach. And so I would say year in, year out, what's consistent is the need for buildings, Right. For a variety of needs. What changes is what's going on in the world, you know, from a current events perspective. And so during covid, as things were you know, shut down, as resources dried up, there was all kinds of needs for food and medicine in an emergency way. And, and that's where the mission fund part of the foundation came in with some emergency funds uh, in different places. And then, as you can imagine, since the hostilities broke out in Ukraine, uh, uh-huh. between Ukraine and Russia, We've seen an unparalleled migration of, of individuals and mostly women and children who have left Ukraine. Poland has done an amazing job absorbing those who have fled Ukraine at this time. But the refugees and the migrants are going to many, many different countries. And in fact, um, I got to visit while I was in Rome in September at a nuncio uh, meeting. I got to visit a place called Casa Scalabrini. And what that is, is a home for for refugees, right in Rome, and so they have about thirty people. Some are from the same families, some are individuals. Where it's just a safe place to live, and yeah. then to get um, mainstreamed into the community with with jobs. That's been something this year in the last twelve months that the foundations allocated a good deal of money to, um, because the Vatican's requested it.
0: Wonderful, David. Are there ways that that anybody can be involved with the foundation? Are you Are you looking for? Maybe not everybody's at the St. Peter's level, but are there other ways that folks can help out?
1: Absolutely. So the foundation will accept a donation of any size Mm -hmm. because it will all go into uh, our corpus, which is how we fund these grants. Right. Sure. So you can go to the papalfoundation.org online Mm -hmm. to uh, to to learn more about us. And uh, and you can certainly uh, send us a donation to support Mm -hmm. some of the work that I just mentioned. In the very new f- near, near future, we hope to actually spotlight specific grants that where we can't provide all the support that we'd like to, and that you can actually choose between a few of the grants to support specifically. So, uh, and just in the months ahead, we hope to have that online.
0: Oh, tremendous. Yeah. Well, David, thank you for all you're you're doing for the church and and for those who aren't able to help themselves and and even really giving the faithful an opportunity to share their gifts around the world. And like you said, with folks that they'll never meet, countries they may never visit, but still, God's love and and the spirit of service is is being found through your work. We I, we really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you very much for helping us promote our mission. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all the good work you're doing and, and the leadership you're providing by spotlighting uh, so much of the good work in the church.
0: Thank you, David. We'll, we'll leave links to the Papal Foundation and to David in the show notes of this episode. Thanks again, David, for joining us. God bless thank you. Thank you. I want to thank David for being on our show this week and for taking some time to explain for us the critical mission of the Papal Foundation I'll leave links to David and the Papal Foundation in the show notes of this episode. And once again, thank you, David, for being on our show. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this episode. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. And once again, many thanks to our sponsor, Changing Our World. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a great week. Take care and get ready for Lent. God bless.